There we go. Okay, I got that where I want to. Alrighty. Am I good? How far up can I come before my head gets cut off? Right there. Okay. Well, good morning and welcome to Gospel Community Church's online gathering. I'm glad to have you guys here this morning, uh, worshiping through Facebook Live, and then we'll later on upload these videos to YouTube. And I just hope you enjoy it. Um, during these weird times of this coronavirus and COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, um, this is how we're going to be gathering. And we hope that you share this and that you enjoy it and, and that God speaks to your heart through this. Um, just a you know, couple announcements. We have some things going on. We've got some uh, weekly Zoom calls. If you're wondering what Zoom is, look at our Facebook page. Chris did a great post about Zoom this, Zoom that. And it's just video conferencing where we get together and we get to have that human interaction. And as we as pastors were talking, that, that we hope that this time that people will be reminded in the value of personal relationships and that we would um, just hold those things near and dear to our heart. So, uh, Look for that on our Facebook page. We've got some prayer gatherings going on. Our Tuesday night community group is meeting via Zoom. And it's just, you know, we hopped on last week and it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed being on there for the little time that I was. Um, so today it marks Palm Sunday. And we're going to talk about that. And um, I'm, I'm going to do my best to actually tie it into our first Peter series. So Tony and Chris have been preaching. And, and I have been preaching through the book of First Peter. And this week I get to preach on 1 Peter chapter 3. Last week, Pastor Tony talked about submission to authority, slaves and masters, the emperors, the government, those sorts of things. And, and you know, up to this point, we've kind of had like this big like picture thing going on. And we started out in the beginning of the book, like Pastor, you know, resident Pastor Chris Polito, he talked about uh, you know, us being exiles and being born again. You know, Pastor Tony talked about being born again. And then now we're kind of zeroing in and getting a little more personal. So we had this big picture last week, of, you know, submission to the government, submission to authority, slaves and masters, and that kind of thing. Now we're going to even zero in a little bit more, and we're going to talk about wives and husbands. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to start in the very beginning of that chapter. I'll give you a minute to open up your Bible app or your Bible, or whatever it is um, that you're following along with. But it's 1 Peter chapter 3, picking up in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct... Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not, not be hindered. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this time, God. As weird as it is standing here in front of the camera and preaching to just a couple of people, God, I just pray that you would work in through this message going out 
in this Facebook world and this digital world, God. I pray you would speak in and through me, God, that you would speak the things that you have to say, God, and not what I have to say, that your will be done, not my will be done, and that you'd fill me up with your Holy Spirit to speak your word and your truth. And I pray for those listening, God, that they would have ears to hear you, God. They would want to have a relationship with you because of the message that you brought forth, God. And I say these things in Jesus' name. So we're going to pick up, and we're not going to make it very far to, to, to jump off. Last time I preached, there was a word, therefore. And we got caught up on the word, therefore. What is the therefore, therefore? The very first word of, of what I was preaching on last time, chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore. And now this time, there's a word that begins in verse 1, the very first one, likewise. Likewise. Likewise what? What are they talking about here? Likewise what? And we're going to work our way backwards. Likewise, for you were straying like sheep, but now have been returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, you're going to endure sorrow and suffer unjustly. Likewise, honor everyone and love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the emperor. Likewise, put to Silence the ignorance of foolish people. Likewise, be subject for the Lord's sake. Likewise, you are a sojourner and an exile. Likewise, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Likewise, you know that all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass, grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Likewise, Likewise, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another. Likewise, your faith and hope are in God. Likewise, you were bought with the precious blood. Likewise, you were ransomed. Likewise, you have been called to be holy because he is holy. Likewise, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. Likewise, prepare your mind. Likewise, be sober-minded. Likewise, you have this salvation. Likewise, you have not seen him, but you love him. Likewise, you do not now see him, you believe in him. Likewise, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Likewise, have a living hope. Likewise, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven, guarded through faith. Rejoice. Likewise, wives. Likewise. That's what he's talking about here. Likewise. That's what we're referring to when we say likewise, wives remembering all this stuff, looking back on all this stuff. And then when he says, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of you. And what this doesn't mean, when we talk about being subject, the word submission is often used too here, is it does not mean that you have to be subject to somebody that's emotionally abusive. 
It does not mean that you have to be subject to somebody that is physically abusive. It does not mean that you have to be subject to a husband who is sexually abusive. But likewise, you can stand firm in all these truths that Peter has talked about already. Likewise. It means that that husband that wants you to watch pornography with him and perform those acts, you can stand in Christ and stand up to your husband and say, this isn't okay. Because I am in Christ. And you can stand firm in Christ to the husband that's emotionally abusive and verbally beats you down and leaves you feeling like nothing. You can know that you are found in Christ and you can stand up and say, I am in Christ and this is not okay. It does not mean that you have to sit there while your husband physically abuses you while he places his hands on you, that, that, that that's not okay. You can stand in Christ confidently and say, this is not okay because of who I am in Christ and who he made me to be. I don't have to put up with this. That's not what it means to be subject to your husband here. Because a little bit of context, and it's not so much different now, but it was very out of the ordinary for a woman to be a Christian and her husband, or it was very ordinary for a woman to be converted and be a Christian and her husband be worshiping other idols. That was what was common here. And the woman was supposed to just go along with whatever and whoever the husband worshipped. But God's word here through Peter is saying you know, be subject to them so that they may be one. You don't have to believe what they believe. You don't have to trust in what they trust in. But you're going to respect them. And you're going to live in such a way and conduct your life in such a way that they may be one. That they may be one. And I think about the opposite spectrum of things. You know, there is such thing as righteous anger. And, and, you know, that righteous anger, when you have that abusive husband, you can stand up in righteous anger and say, this isn't okay. And I think of Jesus in the temple when he goes in and he clears the temple out. He was in righteous anger. It was okay for him to do that. He was in righteous anger because they were knowingly and willingly going against God. So you can have righteous anger. And that, that conduct by standing up against them, they may be won over. They may be won over. And then I think of the opposite end of things. An unbelieving husband, maybe he's had a stressful week. He's acting crazy. He's acting a fool. He, he comes in and he's stressed out and, you know, the potatoes are burnt, but it's not really about the potatoes being burnt, but he's angry and throwing a fit and going crazy. And I think about that gentle spirit that Jesus had. That, that when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and the storm comes 
and, and the sea is just raging and going crazy, and the disciples are panicking, and they're trying to shovel buckets of water out, and, and not shovel, but uh, scoop up buckets of water. You can't shovel buckets of water. Scoop up buckets of water and get buckets of water out of the boat, and Jesus is there like laying in the corner sleeping. I'm not really sure what's going on. And they wake up Jesus, and he just gets up calmly, and he gets up, and he calms the waters. And I think the, the way a wife can conduct herself and when that husband's going crazy and acting a fool and just being a tyrant and, and just crazy. And I just think about her coming in with that, that calm, gentle spirit of Jesus. Being full of the spirit and coming in and just wrapping her arms around her husband and just giving him a sense of peace. And that he sees something, that he feels something in those, in those times, in the righteous anger and in the peace that something is different. And the hope is, the, the hope is, wives, that they may be one. That they may be one. Verse 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart. That person that God only knows. It was that King and Country song, God Only Knows. I just listened to it tonight, but that song, God Only Knows. God knows that hidden person of the heart. And when you conduct yourselves and they see that and you don't get distracted by the external things, the husband's going to see that hidden person of the heart. He's going to see something that's imperishable. He's going to see a beauty that God has opened his eyes to a gentle and quiet spirit. And he's going to see that thing that in God's sight is very precious. Verse 5. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Let's pause. You are holy women who hope in God. You immediately were just like put... You're not just a wife. You're a holy woman who hopes in God. A holy woman who hopes in God. By submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. So I'm going to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I forgot to mark it in my Bible, but it's right here. And we're going to read about Sarah for a minute. So Sarah was Abraham's uh, wife. They, uh, she was very old. Bible says when she got pregnant, Abraham was just old, but Sarah was very old. I don't know why. But, um, and here, verse 11, in Hebrews 11.11, 11, and I'll give you a second. 
says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promise. That's, like he's calling you daughters of Sarah. She was a holy woman who hoped in God. She knew that promise that God made. And she trusted that and had faith in that. Likewise, and we could go back through all those things again. She was a holy woman of God. Pick up in verse 7. Likewise, again, likewise, husbands, you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, your faith and hope are in God. Likewise, you were born again to a living hope, husbands. So something real quick to address here is that we're, this is written, written to believing wives with unbelieving husbands. That's where this first one is addressed to. And then the second one is addressed to believing husbands. So believing wives, unbelieving husbands, and then believing husbands. And I don't remember the stat exactly, and that's why I was telling you, this isn't so different than what we have today because a majority of churches are filled with women and children whose husband does not come to church or believe in Christ. And so that wasn't much different than what Peter's talking here. And the stats of, of when a husband goes to church and leads his family, usually the whole family comes to church. Usually the whole family is led to Christ, and they all have a relationship with Jesus because the husband and father leads them into that. So that's not much different from what's being said here in 1 Peter chapter 3 to what goes on in the church today. But likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Likewise, husbands, the very first thing that he tells you here is live with your wives in what way? An understanding way. An understanding way. That's easy, right? Understanding our wives. Live with your wives in an understanding way. So right now with all this coronavirus, COVID-19, all this, this, this crap going on, you know, most moms, wives are homeschooling right now. And definitely was guilty just the other day of not, living with my wife in an understanding way. I come home, I got my own idea of what I want to do, I got off a little bit early, want to get some yard work done. She spent the last two and a half weeks homeschooling our kids, not able to leave the house, and just really just kind of cooped up. And she asked for some help, and it was like, I got things I got to do. Why don't you just keep doing your thing? And Things did not go well. Uh, we got in a big argument and a big fight, and I was not living with my wife in an understanding way. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. 
I didn't like it. And it's, it, it's just funny, like, as everything that's going on right now, and, and I read and I've been meditating on this for the last two weeks, and it clicked after that. I was like, oh, this is what it means when you live with your wife in an understanding way. And took a step back and was able to calm down. We had a, you know, a good night, and I was just thankful for it. But I definitely was not living in an understanding way. It goes on, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And in this word, this word honor that's used here is the same word that they use to honor the emperor, to honor somebody of like prestige. Um, it's, you know, God's words telling us like honor him like that. Honor him like that. And the woman as the weaker vessel. And I think about my wife and I were having this conversation about this passage. And this is something that, you know, you say woman and weak. You're like, ooh, you're in trouble. But what I think about, you know, we talked about going back to Eden. My wife said back to Eden. And I was like, whoa, I like that. That would make a cool name of a song. I just would have to figure out how to write it. But back to Eden and showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And I think about, like, as they're in the garden and the snake comes up and starts talking to Eve, and Adam's just, like, watching the whole thing go on. What's happening? Why is... You know, back to Eden. There's a reason that the snake went after Eve. And Adam just sat back and let it happen. Because after it happened, she turns and gives him the fruit. He was right there. He didn't protect her as the weaker vessel as the enemy went in after her. I think about times when, you know, I can call my wife in the morning and she'll be doing good. I come home for lunch and it's like something, something's not right. And then, you know, I leave from lunch and go, and I'm kind of worried about her, and I just start, you know, pray for her, rebuke the enemy, and call her back a, an hour or two later, and things are back to normal, and, and she's, she's doing okay. She's doing good again, and it's like, wow, what was going on? And I'm like, well, I think there was some spiritual warfare going on. I, I, I don't know why I just sensed it, but I just had the urge to pray and rebuke the enemy. There is a very real, very spiritual realm out there, and you know, as husbands, like we're called to fill, not, not fill, but um, give them strength in those areas. And have discernment and wisdom to say, oh man, not today, Satan, get away from my wife. Let's continue on. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And we understand and we show honor. We... we we protect them as, as the weaker vessel and that they are heirs, you know, because they're heirs of, of the grace of life with us. We're going to go to the same place. If I'm, I'm a husband, if I'm leading my wife to, to Christ, we're both going to be there. We're both heirs of the grace of life. And here's what's interesting that he ends with, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, if you're not living in a way that's understanding or showing honor to your wife as the weaker vessel or honoring her that she's an heir of the grace of life, your prayers will be hindered. 
You could try and put on a good front, but God knows that good front. Your direct communication line, if if it's broken with your wife, it's going to be broken with God. Your communication with God will hurt because you're not living in an understanding way. You're not showing honor to her as the weaker vessel. You're not loving her like Christ loved the church, like he commanded you to do. You will be cut off from God in communication until you make it right with your wife and pursue her and love her the way Jesus loved her and show her who Jesus is through the way you live. And with all that said, in this, these first seven verses of chapter three, as I was reading and meditating and studying and going over and over on these, the, the, there's a verse in first, or not first, a verse in Philippians chapter one, 21, that I kept coming to. And as I was reading and meditating, and I'd read this, and I'd meditate and read and meditate, go back and forth, I kept, like in my head, I kept thinking, to live as Christ, to die is gain. To live as Christ, to die is gain. And so I went to Philippians 1.21, and I read, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Husband and wives, it takes a live as Christ, die as gain lifestyle to show your unbelieving husband who Christ is. Husbands, it takes a to live as Christ, to die as gain lifestyle to show your wife, and if you have kids, who Christ is. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And it says there that on your account, that, that it's necessary that you stay here on their account, that they may be won over, that they may see who Christ is. Just like Peter is saying in verse 1, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the conduct of their wives, oh, <laughs> even do some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. To live is Christ, to die is gain, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on their account. That's what it takes here, wives and husbands, to have that live as Christ, die as gain attitude. And now we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, the triumphal, triumphant entry as Jesus comes into the city. We're going to pick up in John eleven twelve. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Here we see Jesus riding in on a donkey. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. 
So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Everybody was excited to see Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was like his best PR person, too. He he, he didn't need a, a... public relations for him. He had it all down. He knew the word of God. He knew what scripture said. He knew how it said he would enter. And he got on that young donkey colt and he rode into the city. Fulfilling the prophecy. And he didn't come in as the political figure that they wanted him to be. He came in as the Messiah. He came to establish a kingdom that would go on for eternity. This wasn't what they were expecting. He he has a reign of grace in his followers, in his Christian followers, and the people that call him Savior, Messiah, Lord. He has a reign of grace in their hearts. Jesus comes in and makes us joyful prisoners of hope. He rescues us from empty promises of hype. And that's, you know, as husbands and wives, like, we remember that. Likewise, we see all that Jesus did. He came into the city and, and he, he, he willingly was going to go to his own death. He knew what lied ahead. He knew what scripture said. And he willingly rode in on that donkey's colt, knowing that, uh, you know, days later, he'd be wrongfully accused. Knowing that days later, he would be mocked. Knowing that days later, he would be put up on one of those crosses that his hands would be nailed, and as they dropped that into place, that his shoulder sockets would rip out of place, and he couldn't breathe because he couldn't hold himself up. But he knew. He knew what was coming as he was walking into the city, or riding into the city. And he did so willingly. So this week, Marks the beginning of a holy week. Take your time, read your Bible, read this story, and hopefully we'll be able to put something out on Good Friday for you. If not, we'll, we'll have a, you know put out just a simple reading plan for you to see just what went on this week. Wives and husbands, I'm just being encouraged. Wives, keep praying for your husbands, living in a way, if they're an unbelieving husband, that they may be won over and that they may see Jesus. Husbands, keep leading your family. Keep loving your family, understanding your wife, honoring your wife, and don't be cut off from God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace. I pray that this message, God, to husbands and wives, God, will be something that's taken to heart and that that people would come to know you through this, through the conduct of the wives, to the way that the husbands lead their families, God, that you would work in and through the hearts 
of people that hear this message, that your Holy Spirit would fill them up, that they would feel a conviction, something different from you, God, and that they would know that they're invited into a relationship with you. They don't have to get things right because you've already made things right. That they don't have to get their life together, God, because you've got it in your hands. And I say these things in Jesus' name. So I almost forgot our four ways that we respond in worship. Pastor Tony said last week, not our only four ways, but they are our four ways. First one is going to be pray. So normally during this time of our service, we have a couple people in the back of the church, and during worship, if you need prayer, you go back there and get some prayer. This is a little different. If you need prayer, there's a couple ways. We have prayer meetings Mondays uh, at 6.30 via Zoom, prayer meetings through Facebook on Thursdays at noon. We have coffee and community on Saturday mornings. If you need prayer, hop on one of those, and we've got community group on Tuesday nights at 6.30 on Zoom. The other way is drop us a message. We will pray for you. We have, you know, somebody that's checking our messages, and we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you, whether it's something that's bad that's happened or you want to praise God and rejoice. We want to do it with you. Secondly, communion. We normally take communion during this time as well. Um, take the time as you get done and you're getting ready for lunch. If you watched it at 11 and, and live, you know, sit down and just pray over your meal and remember what Christ did. Commune with your family, have a good time, but take time as a family and just reflect on the work that was done on the cross. And anything that you have that maybe you need to let go of and you haven't forgiven somebody of or for, take that time and tell them, I forgive them for this, God. And take communion. Have communion. Lastly, or thirdly, thirdly, is that a word? I don't know if thirdly is a word. Is it a word? Thirdly? Thirdly is a word. I got confirmation from page and TJ looks confused too. But thirdly, we're going to sing. We've got worship videos coming up at the end here. If you want to stand and join in singing, go ahead and sing along with us. If you don't like the way I sound on the recording, put on some other YouTube video. I won't be offended. But sing with us. Praise God. Praise him in music. And that's one thing we love to do is sing here. And lastly is give. You know, God's given us an abundance, and we want to be able to give back to our community. If people need it, don't hesitate to reach out. But we also ask that during this time that you continue to regularly tithe and give to Gospel Community Church if you are a regular giver. We have that set up through our website at gospelcc.net. Thank you.